Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. A salesman, uh, and he would, he would sell uh, items to churches, like church signs, digital signs, or media equipment, or things like that. And so he goes to one church and has a, a presentation with the, the deacon board and the board of directors. And he said, after the meeting, he said, my co-worker and I were making a sales call to a rural Baptist church. We gave our presentation to the church committee, and then the group's chairman walked to the altar, knelt down. After a minute of silent prayer, he returned and announced in a solemn tone, the Lord tells me that we should wait. My colleague responded by walking to the altar, kneeling down himself. Then he returned to the group, looked at the chairman and said, he wants you to talk to us again. Now, both of these men, I'm not sure either either one of these men were actually praying, but both men saw prayer as a way of getting what they wanted. They saw prayer as a way of getting what they needed in their life. And there's, there's nothing wrong with using prayer as a way to get what you want. James says that that's a perfectly acceptable function of prayer. In James 4, 2, he says, Ye lust, lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. James says one of the reasons that you don't have the things you need or you don't have the things you want, you're fighting for it, you're striving for it, your whole life is focused on getting it, but you still don't have it. He goes, one reason you don't have what you want is you didn't ask for what you wanted. One reason we don't receive from God what we desire is we don't ask God for those things. In other parts of James's letter, he says that if we lack wisdom... We should ask God for it. He says if, we are, if we're in trouble, we should talk to God about it. He says if we're sick, we should call the elders of the church together to anoint us with oil and go to God on our behalf. In other words, if there's something we need from God, we're to go to God about it. We're to ask God for what we need. Most believers have, have faith that God answers prayers. I believe if we asked everyone here, do you believe that God hears and answers prayers? I believe every one of us would say, yes, we believe God hears and answers prayers. In 1994, Life magazine published a survey of Christians. And in the survey, they said 94% of those who prayed regularly believe that God answers prayers. So if we believe God answers prayers... How come we don't pray as much as we should? Because on 94 believers believe God answers prayers, only 24 of them actually, 24% actually pray faithfully and regularly. I believe God answers prayers, but I'm just not going to bother praying to God. The thing is, most of us think that we have a pretty good prayer life. 
Most of us think we have a pretty good prayer life with God, but we, we probably don't pray as often as we think that we pray. By a show of hands, how many of you think you pray as often as you should for what you should? Wow. I was expecting a few of you to think I pray. I pray well as often as I should for what I should. But don't feel bad. A lot of believers are in that category. I'm in that category. You know, sometimes we get to the habit where we're, we're thinking about prayer so much that we actually don't pray. Well, you know, I thought about praying for so-and-so. So that counts. No, it doesn't. Thinking about doing something isn't the same as doing... You know, prayer isn't like giving a gift. It's not the thought that counts. It's the action that counts. So most people don't believe that they pray enough. Larry Davies, he's the editor of Heart Light, Heart Light Magazine, a Christian publication. And he asked his adult Sunday school class if they believe that God answers prayer. They, they, of course, they answered that, of course, God does. Then he asked, well, then, why don't we pray more frequently? He said there was a long pause. Everyone was kind of uncomfortable, not sure what to say. And he waited until someone answered. And finally, he got a couple answers. And here were the most common answers. I don't know how to pray or I don't know what to say when I do pray. That's a common fear among many Christians. Jesus' disciples, they even struggled with, with knowing how to pray. That's why they asked him to teach them how to pray. In Luke 11, Lord, teach us to pray. Here are men who have walked with the Savior. They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him feed 5,000. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him do incredible things. And they're like, hey, Jesus, man, we're walking with you. We're fellowshipping with you. We're close to you. But we have no idea how to talk to you. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus knew that many of us would struggle with our prayer. That's why we wouldn't, he knew that, he knew that we wouldn't know how to pray or know what to say when we prayed. And James understood this as well. That's why God used him to give us an example about how we can pray. So look in your Bibles in James chapter 5, starting in verse number 17. <clears throat> Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So here, here is James who's going, hey, Elisha, now we all know the story of Elisha, and if you don't know the story of Elisha, we're going to listen look at the story of Elisha in a minute. But James says, here's, here's Elisha, he's a, a powerful figure in the Jewish community, and he's writing to Jewish believers who would know a lot about Elisha, and they reverenced Elisha, and they're waiting for Elisha to come back as one of, they believe he's one of the, the second witnesses, so they're like, man, Elisha is a powerful man of God, but he was just like us. Again, look at verse 17. Elias, a man subject to like passions as we are. He goes, You're, Elisha's just like you. He's no better than you. He's no, no worse than you. You and Elisha are very similar. And here's this man who was able to pray to God and kept it from raining for three and a half years. I've been praying for it to rain, stop raining for a week so we could get the roof fixed, and I can't even do it. But here's Elisha. He prayed in three and a half years it didn't rain. So according to James, if we want to know how to pray, we should look at the example that Elisha gave us. So now turn over to 1 Kings chapter 18. 
In 1 Kings chapter 18, a little history about where we are in the Scriptures. Ahab is king over Israel. And Ahab was a wicked king. And he was married to a wicked Philistine woman named Jezebel. You know, there's a couple of things, a couple of names people don't typically name their children. Jezebel is not a very popular girl's name. Because, you know, that's why you don't see Benedicts anymore. Because of Benedict Arnold. There's not many Judases running around. There's not a whole lot of Jezebels. Jezebel was a very wicked woman. And she had convinced Ahab to lead Israel into Baal worship. The nation, they, they still prayed to God. They still prayed to Yahweh, but they worshipped these other false gods. And because of their disobedience, because of their idol worship, God sent Elisha to them. And Elisha, he goes to Ahab and he tells Ahab that because of Israel's disobedience, there would be a drought to punish them. He said there would be a drought that lasted three and a half years. There would be no rain. There would be no dew. Nothing. So for three and a half years, Israel is in this incredible drought The crops are failing, there's famine, there's starvation, there's hunger, there's poverty. At the end of three and a half years, Elisha goes back to Ahab. Now God used Elisha to offer a challenge to Ahab. And Elisha, he goes to Ahab and he challenges uh, the the false prophets of Baal to a showdown at Mount Carmel. He says, let's come to Mount Carmel and let's have all of Israel come together and we will have a showdown. The God of of Jehovah against the false gods of Baal. Me, the prophet of God, against these false prophets of Baal. And whichever one wins the challenge, that will be the God that Israel will worship. So all of Israel, they gather at the foot of Mount Carmel to watch this showdown and see what's going to happen. And they listened as Elisha confronted them. So look at... 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 21. And Elisha came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. So here's Elisha. He's up on the top of Mount Carmel with all these other 850 false prophets of Baal. And remember Israel, they're, they're still praying to God. They're still kind of worshiping God a little, but they're also worshiping these false gods. And so he says, hey, make a decision. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to follow? If, if God is the true, one and true and only God, and he's the God of Israel, then worship him only. If Baal's the, the God you want to worship, then worship God only. Don't pick and choose which one you want to do. Worship one or the other. And Israel just, they're silent. They don't answer him. But then the challenge begins. Look at verse 22. Then said Elisha unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people that answered and said, it is well spoken. So here's here's his challenge. Let's let's both get get a sacrifice. Let's both get a bull. Let's both have a barbecue. Amen. 
And the prophets, you, you cut your bull up however you want to, and you, know, you put it on your altar. Don't start a fire under the altar, but just lay it on that altar, and I'll do the same with mine, and I won't start a fire under my altar, and we'll just we'll, we'll pray to our gods. I'll pray to Jehovah, you pray to Baal, and whichever one starts the fire under their, their, their offerings, that will be the true God in Israel. And the prophets say, hey, sounds good to us. Sounds like a fair thing to do. Then look at verse 25, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. Uh, for ye are many and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called the name of Baal from morning even until noon saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered and they leaped upon the altar which was made. So they're, they're praying to Baal for, for hours on hours on hours and nothing's happening. They start leaping on the altar trying to really get their false god's attention. Verse 27, And it came to pass at noon that Elisha mocked them. said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey or prairie adventure. He sleepeth and must be awakened. So now Elisha starts picking on him. He goes, hey, maybe he can't hear you. And if you look at it in the original Hebrew, he says, hey, maybe, maybe he's out for a walk. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe you, maybe you should just yell louder so your God can hear you. Verse 28, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and latchets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elisha said unto all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elisha took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, and whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. So the false prophets have finally given up. They've, they've, they've given up their, their time, and Elisha said, okay, let me give it a shot. So he, he repairs the altar because they got kind of rowdy and kind of messed it up. So he repairs the altar, he digs a trench around it, put, puts the 12 stones up to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, puts the wood back where it's supposed to be, puts the bullock on. Then he goes, hey, go get four barrels of water, dump it on the altar, and they do it. He says, do it again. That's eight barrels of water. They do it. Let's do it again. It's 12 barrels of water that he's soaked this altar with. There's so much water, this deep trench he has built around the altar is full of water. So this, this sacrifice, this altar is dripping, soaking wet. Then in verse number 37. <coughs> Sorry, also verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elisha the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, 
that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is the God. And Elisha said unto them, Take up the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elisha brought them down to the brook of Kishon, uh, Kishon and slew them there. So pretty incredible showdown here. Elisha has the prophets do their thing. It doesn't work. So then he rebuilds his altar, soaks it with 12 barrels of water. And then he prays to God and he says, God, prove that you're God. Lord, show them you're the one true God. And fire comes down from heaven. Wasn't just a lightning bolt that was a struck a lot, uh, you know, strike some luck. Fire comes down from heaven, burns the burns up the the sacrifice, burns up the offering, burns up the altar, burns up the stones, burns up the dust, burns up. I mean, evaporates the water, and so there's nothing left. And so all of Israel sees this, and they fall on their face and say, "Lord God, Jehovah, He is the one true God." And everyone's shocked. And so, of course, the prophets of Baal—they're kind of nervous. They're trying to get away. And so Elijah says, "Hey, don't let them get away." They kind of round them all up, take them down to the bottom of the mountain, and then Elisha, one by one, kills all of them. Pretty incredible victory. Pretty great display of God's power. But all this isn't the prayer that James is talking about. This leads up to the prayer that is our example. So what's so special about that prayer? We're looking at verse number 41. And Elisha said unto Ahab, Get up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now Elisha, he, he, there's no clouds in the sky. There's no thunder in the background. There's nothing going on. But after he's had this, this great display of God's power, after he's killed all the prophets of Baal, he goes to Ahab and says, Hey, you, why don't you sit down, get you something to drink, have a little snack, because rain's coming. Ahab goes and he, he eats and he drinks. But Elisha, he goes to the top of the mountain, he bends down, he puts his face between his knees, and begins to pray. Look at verse 30, uh, 42. That's not on the screen. Sorry. Verse 42, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elisha went up to the top of, of Carmel, and he cast himself down, down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again, seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven and the that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elisha, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So during this, after this great victory, Elisha goes to Ahab and says, Ahab, you better get you something to eat, get you something to drink, sit down for a bit, because it's gonna start raining soon. And he goes to a servant and he says, I'm going to pray. I want you to go up to the top of the mountain and see if there's a cloud there. So Elisha bends down, puts his head between his knees and starts praying. Servant goes up, comes down, says there's nothing there. Elisha says, go again. Seven times, Elisha tells him to go up to the top of the mountain and, and look out. 
About the sixth time, I bet the servant's kind of getting, getting frustrated. I've walked up and down this mountain six times, Elisha. There ain't nothing there. But the seventh time, he walks up, and he finally, he finally sees something. He sees a little cloud about the size of a hand. So he comes down and says, well, there's, there's a cloud there. Not very big, but it's there. And Elisha says, go tell Ahab, he better get home, because the rain's coming. The sky grows black. The wind starts to rise. The heavy rains come, and Ahab rides off to Jezreel. And the Bible says that the power of God comes upon Elisha as he tucks his coat into his belt, and he runs ahead of Ahab, who's in a chariot pulled by horses. He runs ahead of Ahab and beats him to Jezreel. So what was it about Elisha's prayer that makes it such a great example to us? Number one, notice... He worked at praying. Notice how he prays. Joel, come here. You're going to be Elisha. All right. Can you be Elisha for me? No. (laughs) All right. Now, the Bible says that Elisha, before he prayed, he cast himself down on the ground. Cast yourself on the ground. Lay down. On your belly. (laughs) <laughs> and put his head between his knees. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to do it. Put your, can do it. Put your head between your knees. I don't know. I, I'll show you. I tried this. Come here, come here, Joel. Because I, I can't. I don't want to do it. It hurts. I get on your knees. Look at him. All right. Now, put your head on the ground. That look comfy to you? Joel, are you comfortable? You want to take a nap? That's how Elisha prayed. We're going to leave him there for a while. No, you can go ahead, Joel. <laughs> so the Bible says that Elisha threw himself on the ground and put his head between his knees. Now, there's a lot of theological debate about what the posture of prayer is, but if you've ever been in that position, as Joel has, and as I was yesterday trying to figure out how he did it, it's not comfortable. In fact, it hurts. And you can't stay in that position for very long. Now, there may be a theological reason why Elisha prayed that position, but I don't think there is. I think Elisha chose this uncomfortable position to keep him focused on praying to God the Father. Let's get honest. You ever tried to pray in your bed and you fall asleep within a few minutes? Dear Lord. We've all done it. You know, we've, we, of course, went to prayer advance. This is last weekend. Every time we go, we have a great time. The first couple of times I would go, we would go. I'd, you know, they had the sweet hour of prayer. We used to go to men's prayer advance in Agosha. We have sweet hour of prayer. And, you know, they give you a little thing to, to pray through it. And it takes you an hour to get through it. But the first time I got my sweet hour of prayer card, and I thought, okay, let me set up to pray for an hour. So I went back to my room. I laid on my bed. I got my Bible out. I, was, I, was, I wanted to be comfortable for an hour. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray to you for an hour. I got like three minutes in and just, or maybe if you're not even sleeping, you, if you're, you, you kind of, you ever pray and your mind starts wandering? Lord, bless slow and so because, oh, I need to go to the grocery store. I need to do this. And just, you're on rabbit trails and you've prayed for 35 minutes and you really hadn't asked God of anything. You've just been going down these, you got a spiritual ADD. Elisha made sure 
that he could focus on his prayer to God. He didn't want to be distracted by anything else. And discomfort kept his mind focused on talking to God. Look, that's one reason when you're really, when you're praying to God, now, as I said this morning, we should be in a constant attitude of prayer, but there are times you need to pull away, you need to shut the door, you need to pray to God. When you have those times, don't take your cell phone with you. Because I guarantee you, you're going to be praying, well, I'll keep it on silent. You can hear the buzz. You're going to be praying, and, bzz, bzz, bzz. and even if you ignore it, you know what's now going through your head? Who's calling me? Who's texting me? We know what's going on. And you've gotten distracted from prayer. So Elisha made sure that he worked on his prayer and he was focused on talking to God. Also, look how many times he prayed. Not once, not twice, not three times, but seven times he prayed until God answered his prayer. He kept praying until God answered. See, Spurgeon said this. He said, prayer pulls the rope down below the great bell that rings above the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. So why does it matter that we work at our prayers? Why does it matter that we we grab the rope of heaven and continue to pull on the bell? Because when we work at our prayers, it shows God the answer really matters to us. If you've ever had little kids, you kind of understand this. What happens when you you take a little kid to the store and they, they see something they want? They don't just quietly think to themselves, oh, that'd be nice. And go on, no. They ask for it, don't they? And then they ask again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, until you either give in or blow up. But they keep going until they get an answer. If they're creative... They can think of a dozen ways that they can work getting that toy or whatever it is they want into the conversation. They do that because it's important to them. It's important that they get what they're asking for, so they keep asking until they get your attention. Lexi is great at this. And April is great at ignoring her. And it really irritates me. Because we'll be in the living room, we'll be driving down the road, and here's mom. Mom, 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 mom. And April's just ignoring her. She's talking to me. She's talking to someone else. She's just looking at her phone. Just, mom, mom, mom. And I'm like, honey, do you hear her? Yeah, I hear her. Mom, mom. Well, then answer the girl, for goodness sakes. But Lexi keeps going until April finally says, well, would you, what do you need, dear? And I'm in the front seat going, answer that child. I'm going to blow my top. But she was consistent in her asking. Elisha worked at his prayers. He worked at getting God's attention and making sure he was heard. He made it his business to pray. If we're going to follow the prayer of Elisha, if we're going to pray like Elisha, then we need to work at our prayers. That's why I handed out a prayer journal. I want you to take that prayer journal... 
and put it somewhere in your house, you'll see it regularly. Your nightstand, your living room, not your Bible because you only see it on Sunday, let's be honest. Because you read it on your tablet, I know. You're in your refrigerator, on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere, you're going to see this regularly in your house. Put it somewhere, you'll see it often. Anywhere where you will have it close at hand. This is your tool to help you begin working at your prayers. It's, it's meant to help you remember to pray. Because most of us will make a commitment. You know, it's with the teenagers who went to prayer advance. And every single one of them, one of the things God spoke to them about, I've got to pray more often. I've got to be more faithful in my prayers. I've got to be more faithful in my devotions. And that's great. It's good to have that desire. But look, if you don't have something to remind you to do it, you ain't going to do it. You can sit there and say, I'm going to pray every day. Great! If you don't put something in effect to make you remember to pray every day, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to work at your prayers. So put this somewhere, you'll see it all the time. So remember, oh, that's right. i got to pray. James tells us that if we're going to get our prayers answered, we need to follow Elisha's example and work at our prayer. Here's the second thing Elisha gives us an example about. <coughs> he was specific in his prayers. He was specific in his prayers. He didn't go to God and say, Oh, God bless Israel. He, he didn't do that. He went to God and said, God, we need rain. God, we need to rain today. He was praying a prayer that had a specific answer in mind. You'll notice that your prayer journal has a place for you to put prayer requests. I want you to put specific requests. Not bless my kids. Not bless my husband. Not protect them. Because there's no way to really know if those are answered specifically. Because, oh, well, we, we didn't die today. God protected us. Well, well, yeah. But that's a very general prayer. Oh, well, you know what? We, we had food today. God blessed us. That's a very general prayer. Put requests that have a specific answer. God, I need this job. God, I need this to happen. God, I need rain. See, there's nothing wrong with telling God what we need. He knows what we need. He knows what we need before we know what we need. But he wants us to come to him with specific requests and ask, what, and ask him what we need. While we're on deputation, Parker, he loved Legos. He still does. He's almost 17 and still plays with Legos. And so he, he loved Legos, and we, we would get him from him every time uh, for birthday or Christmas or something. And so, but Legos, you know, they, they were expensive, and we were on deputation, so we were broke and couldn't really do anything. And he wanted this one particular Lego set that it made like this big robot thing. He really, he said, Dad, I want that Lego set. And so I, I did what every good parent does who their child wants something and they can't really get it for him. I told him to pray. It wasn't near, if it was near Christmas, I told him to ask Santa for it. Because that's how you put your kids off around Christmas time. Oh, I want this. Oh, you should ask Santa for that. Because I can't get it for you now. So he's like, Dad, I really want... I said, you know what you should do, son? You should pray to God that he would give you that Lego set. You know what he did? He prayed. He prayed to God for that Lego set. 
We're on deputation. We go to a church in, uh, in, in, in Michigan, up in Maryland, uh, right outside of Baltimore, and a New Life Baptist Church and outside of Maryland. We go to there for a Wednesday night prayer service. I'm preaching, and they have an Awana program. So Parker, he goes with them to their Awana program. Well, they also, this church, had an Awana store with Awana bucks, and you earned Awana bucks by, by quoting the memory verses. So Parker, he'd never been to Awana a day in his life. But he knew Bible verses. And so he gets down to, the, to his class, and they're asking, who can quote this verse? And he's, just, he's rattling off verses left and right. He can't do it anymore. I don't know what happened. Uh, but he's rattling off verses left and right, and he, he's getting all these Awana bucks. And so he gets enough Awana bucks, he gets to go to the Awana store. And so he goes to the Awana store with his Awana bucks, and they have that Lego set he wants. And he has just enough Awana bucks. So he buys the thing. Because I remember we're, we're outside. I've done preaching. I'm shaking hands. I'm you know, talking to people. Here comes Parker. He's about seven years old. Just running up to me, just beaming. Dad, God answered my prayer. So that's a coincidence. No, it's not. That's God answering the specific prayer request of one of his children. Several years ago, April and I were asked to pray for a, a young man that was uh, a son of a couple of our members. He was out of the will of God and not really attending church, and so they were worried about him, so we began to pray. We prayed that God would bring him to Roanoke because he wasn't near Roanoke. Prayed God would bring him here so he could have an influence on him. Prayed that he would get involved in church, get saved, start becoming more faithful, and you know what happened? One day, he moved up to Roanoke. He started attending church, not really paying attention, but he started coming. He got married. He got saved. He joined the church. He began to serve, began to be faithful, and now he's one of our deacons. He works our soundboard. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about DJ. Man, it's just sure is a lucky coincidence he, he did all that, isn't it? No. It was God answering the specific prayers of his children. Be specific in your You know why? So you can know when God answers them. Notice in that prayer journal, it has a place not only to write the prayer request, but to write the date it was answered. Because pray in faith, believing God is going to answer you. But we're going to get to that one in a second. But be specific in your prayers. Here's the third thing Elisha teaches us. He prayed for what God wanted. See, God wanted to send rain. God wanted to relieve the suffering of Israel. That's why he had sent Elijah to Ahab in the first place. Again, in verse number 1 of chapter 18, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elisha in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So God sent Elisha to get the rain coming anyway. If you study all the powerful prayers of the Bible, you'll notice every one of them mentions at least one of several things. They pray or talk about a specific promise God had made. Men and women going to God, praying to God for God to keep His word, for God to keep a promise He had made. They pray that, uh, for a goal that God was known to favor. They mention how answering the prayer would bring praise to God. They mention how God's answering the prayer would affect how his children witness. They, they mention things they are going to God about prayers that God wanted to answer. When we pray, we need to think about why God would want to answer our specific prayers. 
That's what Jesus meant when he told his disciples, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. To ask something in Jesus' name means that you are asking God to do something that God wants to do anyway. You know, when someone speaks on behalf of another person, whether it's uh, an assistant giving a statement on the, to the press on behalf of a politician or a, a lawyer or something like that, they are speaking in their name. That means that what they are, they are saying things that are in agreement with what the person they represent wants them to say. So praying in Jesus' name is asking for what you believe God wants you to ask for. That's why it's so funny to me. You know, when the lottery gets huge, like $300 million, you know how many times I have people call me or text me or message me on Facebook, I bought a lottery ticket, pray that I win it. God doesn't want you to have $300 million. You know how I know? Because you don't have $300 million. So you are praying for God to give you something God don't want to give you. And so we need to pray for what God would have us to ask for. When you are filling out your prayer journal, ask if what you are asking for is something God would want to answer. See, is this something that God would want to give me? Is this something that God would want me to have? Pray for what God wants to do in your life. And here's the fourth thing we notice. He involved others in his prayers. He involves others in his prayer. He sends his servant to look for rain. He could have gone himself. Of course, he's in a very uncomfortable position, but he could have gone himself to look for rain, but he's, he is involving someone else in his prayers. Matthew eighteen nineteen says this, And again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it, and shall, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Get other people involved in praying for what you're asking God for. When we were praying for DJ, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just me in April. It was his family. And we, his mama and his daddy who loved him and cared for him came to us and said, would you pray with us for this? Get other people involved in your prayers. When we were at New Horizon, we believed that God wanted us to join together with Grace Baptist Church. We believe that God wanted us to come together, these two churches, to come together and form a new ministry and start a new work of God here. We believe that God wasn't done with this property. We believe that God wasn't done with the people that were here. And he wanted to use the people and use the property to do a work for his glory and his kingdom. So you know what we did? We asked God to make it happen. We prayed to God. You know, y'all from... Old Grace, man, I know this, but every Sunday night after church, about eight, six to eight of us would get together in a room and we'd go to God and we'd say, God, we believe you want to do something between us and Grace Baptist Church, so make it happen. Lord, we believe you want us there, so Lord, get us there. We prayed together as a group for God to do what we believed God wanted to do Anyway, we, were, we, we prayed about it, we were specific about it, we got other people involved in it. Why? Because we were serious. Because we knew this is what God wanted. Because we believed it was something God wanted to do, and we wanted to do it with Him. So with your prayer journal, get others praying for your requests. Get your wife involved. 
Get your husband involved. Get your kids involved. Get your parents involved. Pray together with others to see God work. The fifth thing we notice is he expected God to answer. He sent his servant back seven times looking for a cloud because he knew, it was gonna, cause he knew God was sending a cloud. He was expecting God to answer him. And once, it was, once, once the servant comes back and says, hey, uh, I saw a cloud. So it's a small one. It's pretty far off. It's just a little tiny thing, no big deal. Uh, but I see a cloud. You know what he did? He expected it to rain. He goes to Ahab and says, hey, Ahab, you better get out of here. But hook your horse up and get out of here before it starts raining. You're stuck on this mountain because rain's coming. He was expecting it to rain. There was one little, one little cl- uh, cloud in the sky the size of a fist. Those si- the, the size of the cloud... Didn't, that, that cloud there didn't bring the torrential downpour, but Elisha knew it was coming. He knew that God was going to answer in a big way, so he acted like he expected God to answer. That's why there's the date answered there. Don't pray for something you don't expect God to answer. That's foolishness. Why would you pray not in faith? Because the Bible says anything you do not in faith is sin. So if you go to God and say, God, Lord, I, I, I need a new job. And Lord, I believe you want me to have this job. So Lord, I'm going to put that down. I'm going to get others praying for it. Lord, give me this job. But I doubt he's going to answer. He's not. But you say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for this job. And don't do this. But you're like, I'm going to put in my two-week notice. Don't do that until you get the job. But go expect and say, God, I know you're going to answer. So I have the date that God's going to answer my prayer. There was once a, a western town that had experienced a, a hard drought. And one of the local churches, they, they had announced that they were going to have a special prayer meeting one night to pray for God to send rain. On that night, the, the church meeting was packed. The preacher comes out, looks around the congregation, and tells them that there'd be no prayer meeting that night because no one had come expecting to have their prayers answered. When they asked, how come, you don't, how come you think we don't expect our prayers to be answered? He said, none of you brought an umbrella. Now, I don't know if that story is true or not, but I do know that's how God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray expecting him to answer. James 1.6 says, says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavered is like a sea of the wind. Uh, it's like the, the, the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So don't pray for God to do something, but then work behind the scenes because you know we ain't going to do it anyway. Pray in faith expecting God to answer. When we pray, we need to pray expectantly, believing that God will answer our prayer. That's where there's a column for the note, the time that God answers your prayers. I want you to pray expecting an answer. But remember, no is an answer. Not yet is an answer. But pray expecting God to work. Sixth thing we notice is he prayed hoping his prayer would be a witness. Before Elisha prays, he tells Ahab to go and have a seat and get something to eat and drink. He could have sent Ahab home right then and there. He could have said, hey, you wicked king, go tell your stupid Jezebel wife what I just did to her prophets. But he said, hey, hey Ahab, get, get your bite to eat. Get you something to drink. Just, just relax 
for a bit. He wanted him there. The, the challenge was over, but he wanted Ahab there. This prayer was just a preliminary before the rain would come. And Ahab could have gone home. But I believe Elisha's prayer was also meant to be a witness to the king of Israel. I believe when Elisha prayed, Ahab was just a few yards away. I believe as Ahab sat there and ate, he saw Elisha. He watched as Elisha prayed. He watched as Elijah sent a servant, and he watched as Elisha repeatedly bowed in prayer. And then when Elisha gets the news of the cloud in the distance, Elisha first tells Ahab to hitch up his chariot and get out of there. I believe Elisha's prayer was partly to serve as a witness to Ahab, to show Ahab the power of the one true God. Otherwise, there was no point of him being there. The purpose of the drought, the purpose of the confrontation, the purpose of this prayer was to change the hearts of the, of the people and change the heart of Ahab. And as a wicked and evil king as Ahab had been, God still cared about his salvation. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One of the most powerful witnessing tools we have are the prayers that God answers. Look, some of you parents with young kids, how incredible is it, is it going to grow their faith as you take your little four and five and six-year-old and three or four-year-old, whatever they are, and say, hey, mommy and daddy got some big prayer requests. Here's what we're praying for. And as you can show, hey, look, God answered our prayer this day. Hey, look, God answered our prayer this day. Hey, look, God answered our prayer this day. And you can show them that God cares, God loves them, God answers prayers, and is a witnessing tool to show the power of God. Our answered prayers show the lost world that God cares, that God hears, that God is real, and that they need God. One man once said, to become more effective in our praying, we need to remember it's not the arithmetic of our prayers, how many they are, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they are, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they be, nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, nor the theology of our prayers, how good the doctrine may be, which God cares for, is the fervency of our prayers." The constant faithfulness in prayer that wins the day and unleashes the power of God. God gave us a powerful example in prayer in Elisha. Let's follow his example in our daily prayer life 